0: Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.
1: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Well, I'm back from my trip, and I will be doing a recap of my travels on an upcoming episode of Ask Allie. But I will say it was quite An experience, and I do have some interesting stories to share. So stay tuned for that. Um, But today, I have a limited release bonus episode, and this will be taken down. So if you like the content, be sure to take notes. So what is it? This is a replay from a very powerful workshop hosted by one of our faves over here at Food Heals, JJ Flazanes. And it's truly all about understanding the link between your core wounds, the things that have hurt you in the past and your current reality. And when you make that link and you discover what happened in the past that is still affecting you to this day, you can become empowered to shift to change and actually finally manifest that healthy, healthy life that you've been wanting. That just seems quite a little bit out of reach. You just haven't gotten there yet. It's like These are the tools, this is the path, these are the solutions. It's really about identifying, releasing, and moving forward, not staying stuck in the same old patterns, right? And I learned all of these tools and strategies and ways of thinking in grad school, I went to the University of Santa Monica. I got my master's degree in spiritual psychology, which let me tell you, all it was, was a degree in learning to love yourself, okay? And so when I was taking this workshop with JJ, um, listening to the replay, I was just like so excited and reminded because all of these things work. And I was remembering how many times I had to go back and heal something from the past in order to heal it in the future and how powerful that was and how easy it was and how these are not things you are taught in school. Usually I was taught it in school, but it's very rare, unless you went to my crazy kooky Santa Monica, you know, um, master's degree program. These are not things you're gonna learn in a therapist's office. And that's you know, JJ talks about that. Why um, very often talk therapy is ineffective because you're staying in the same cycle of talking about the same thing over and over with without a roadmap, without step-by-steps to get moved past it, to heal it. And so that's what today's workshop is all about. And let me give you a couple of links. JJ talks about the feelings and needs list throughout this training. So if you want to download that and follow along, you can go to foodhealsnation.com slash feelings, and you can get that list. And if you listen to the workshop and you're like, wow, this is for me, I want to go further with this, JJ is running a course for the month of April, a four-week course, and it's an amazing opportunity to do the work. You will be in a group setting and you will do the work together with JJ. So you'll get group coaching and one-on-one training where you can ask questions and problem solve with JJ. Very powerful. So if you're feeling it at the end, um, just go to foodhealsnation.com roadmap and you can sign up the dates will be wednesdays april 6th 13th 20th and 27th at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern classes will be recorded and we'll have a q a at the end so you can get you know your personalized problems solved um, so you're also going to get some amazing bonuses so Not only will you get the course, you're going to also get the anatomy of emotion course, and you're going to get a one-on-one session with either JJ or one of her empowerment strategists, which is valued at over $1,500. And I'm giving you my course, food freedom. Food freedom is in complete alignment with JJ's program, the roadmap to emotional healing because mine is all about the roadmap to healing emotional eating and what I did is I healed myself ended my body shame got in control of my relationship with food by using everything that I learned at the University of Santa Monica and the teachings are the same. And so when I was listening to JJ's workshop, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. I remember how powerful all of this is. And I remember how I used most many of the same strategies in my course, Food Freedom. And so I thought it would be a perfect bonus to give you. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in that, just head on over to foodhealsnation.com slash roadmap. So let's dive into the workshop. I hope you enjoy it. Roll it, Roxy.
0: The Food Hills Podcast starts now.
1: Welcome,
2: everyone, to tonight's webinar The Three Reasons Why Talk Therapy is ineffective. I'm JJ Flazanes and thank you so much for being here tonight. And I've been saying if you've heard me talk anywhere I've been saying traditional talk therapy because I do recognize that in a lot of therapeutic situations they are using other tools. So this is about really the traditional talk therapy model and how it doesn't really work or support growth um, effectively. It's somewhat inefficient and I'm only saying that from my point of view. If those of you that have had great therapists, I've had a, I've had one uh, that I that I think is really good. But even their shortcomings in there, I had to bring on my own stuff to kind of work with and I went in very specifically so this is a 20 year process of really uncovering this and me working with emotions and things like that so tonight's webinar is going to be fun and exciting. It's my life's work and I talk fast. And if that is a problem, know that there will be a recording and you can, lo- we can listen to it over and over again and take some notes. All right. So thank you all for being here tonight live. It's my most fun thing is when people are actually here to play with me. So for that, you will get a free gift at the end of this uh, for coming and attending live. I'd love to know. And I did see some in the chat earlier before I hit go how many of you are from different places. So I'm gonna scroll back up, but if you could go ahead and just stick that in so I don't have to scroll back up, let me know where you're from. I know I've got people from New Zealand here. I've got California, I've got New Jersey, West Virginia, Colorado, Phoenix, Arizona, Minnesota, Washington, Kansas, Florida, Portland, Oregon, Illinois, Maine, Portland, New Jersey. Hey, Fiona, Missouri. Pennsylvania. Yay, Scouts here! New Jersey, St. Louis, Illinois, Ohio, Costa Rica. Cool. Wisconsin, Edmonton, Canada. Hey, Julie. Great. All right. So uh, Rochester, New York. Yay. Hey, Linda. I'm glad you're all here. And there'll be more that keep coming in as we as we continue. So for tonight, when you have questions, uh, I'd love if you could save it to the end if you can stay. Otherwise, put it in the chat and if you have to leave before the Q and A starts, you can listen to the replay and see if I end up answering the question that you have. And then if you still have a question and you wanna email me back, once you get the replay, just put it in the email and I'll either record a podcast if enough people ask the same question or I'll quickly write back to you. Okay, cause I definitely wanna make sure that you get what you came for today. So I'm gonna go ahead and start to share my screen and get the PowerPoint going. I want to make sure everybody can see it. So can you let me know that you can see the PowerPoint and me? Great. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure this is... All right. So you are here tonight again to learn or uncover or discuss or look at the three reasons why I think traditional tech therapy is ineffective. And, And it's not just me, but I'm going to use that as my point of view. All right. So for those of you that are new to me, because you've been referred by a doctor or a colleague of mine, uh, I'm an empowerment strategist on a mission to transform the meaning of the word fitness, because I started out as a personal trainer, to include the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and even financial factors that affect a person's health, well-being, relationships, and happiness. I have authored three books. My fourth book is I'm working on right now for this year. Uh, but the, the main two would be Fit to Love, How to Get Physically, Emotionally, and Spiritually Fit to Attract the Love of Your Life. Hence, Fit to Love was my first podcast. And The Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame, which you can get a free copy of uh, at jjflazanes.com forward slash book. I have many podcasts, many more than are behind me, and uh, but my most popular is Spirit, Purpose, and Energy. And I would say that Spirit Pur- Spirit, Purpose, and Energy put me on the map because of, well, many things, and I don't have to go into that right now, (laughs) except that I'll say emotionally, I was in most alignment with, and I did it from a place of passion and from a place of purpose that meant it was very deep, deeply meaning for me. And it attracted, and so this is a lesson here, it attracted the opportunities and the people who then created this reality that's happening right now. I have been the host of something called the 30 Manifestation Challenge, so it's helping people to manifest more in their lives, all from health to relationships to money, and I've got a lot of, uh, below you see a lot of press, (laughs) I've been in the press a lot, Uh, NBC, CBS, CBS, Fox 11, KTLA, CW, now those are all local channels here, Uh, some are national, and some are local, and then of course the uh, national, international publications below that, so All right. So the goal for this training today is to understand the shortcomings of traditional talk therapy. That will be number one. And to learn about some of the tools that you can use on your own, the difference between healing and compensating, which I'm going to go over and many, many more things. It was definitely sort of a promise that I made a bunch of bullet points, right? That I'm going to talk about. And as I was building the slide deck, I went over those points to see that I was covering them. So if I don't cover something, I want you to just keep in mind that we have a very short period of time together here today. I know that for some of you, 90 minutes feels like a really long time, but I'm covering a really big topic and a really big subject. So what I'm going to do at the end of this presentation is invite you to take the next step. If you want, if you feel called, if you don't, no problem, totally cool. But know that it is impossible for me to do what I really want to do with you in a group setting in 90 minutes. But- What I am going to do is give you a tool that literally can transform you. I can't wait because actually the client is here, but uh, having one session with someone who battled with therapy, and you'll hear more about this later for six months, wasn't getting results. One session, this tool that I'm going to teach you in this training today, and all of a sudden clarity, because we deconstructed this big, overwhelming, emotional powerhouse that was making life gray. So lots of fun things and good things coming. And again, remember, this is being recorded. So, I'd invite you to sit back, definitely have a piece of paper and a pencil ready for when we do the exercise. But, you know, maybe only take notes that really move you, something that really like sticks out to you, because you can go back and watch this again. So, why are we even focusing on emotions? Because I have to tell you that when I put this webinar out, I was excited because I wanted to name it something that would really draw in the right people who were ready for this information. I spent a lot of time and have spent a lot of time in the past trying to convince people of why they even want to think about their emotions. And I thought by titling this the way that I did, I wanted to assume, and I may or may not be right, that you guys actually understand the power of your emotions. But in case you forgot, and just to sort of reframe this, dealing with your emotions and and expressing them and, and being able to understand them and work with them can help you to find or have better intimate relationships. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of passion in your marriage or in your relationship with your partner or all relationships, your parents to be a better parent. Oh my God. I just, I just got done editing the next episode with Dr. Bruce Lipton. And we're talking about programming and the childhood programming that happens between age one and seven and the damage that gets done from bad programming. Get a hold of your emotions. Like your parents possibly didn't do and be a better parent at every age. Uh, when you understand the power of your emotions and what it can do for you, you can attract more success by identifying and stepping into your purpose. Even if it's not like having another job or become an entrepreneur, there's something about being in alignment with who you are, understanding how you tick and knowing how to turn that on that brings opportunity into your life. You want We're going to experience more compassion for yourself by tapping into your emotions and others and being able to find more joy. And mostly because i know a lot of you have come here through doctors i want to remind you that your emotions affect your health and they can help you heal disease and in fact they created the disease so if we don't get a hold of the emotions we do not create a container that will help us to heal and if you're in a container that isn't that's toxic and angry and depressed that's a container that creates disease in the future it doesn't happen overnight it's not instantaneous but it's going to be happening because it's the soil right that we're in and i want to share my very favorite quote from abraham that i want you to sear in your brain because people justify bad behavior and actions and all kinds of things all the time and don't realize the power that they have within themselves so of course the quote as you can see is the only reason that we want what we want is that we think we'll feel better when we have it so repeat that to yourself. The only reason why I want what I want, anything, money, success, a relationship is because I think I'll feel better when I have it. I want to be healed so I feel better. Where Everything in your life is about your emotions, everything. And I would love anybody to prove me wrong because you can take and deconstruct any choice action. Every choice in your life has been made so that you can find something to feel better, relief, love, connection, safety, security, something. All right. So the first reason why traditional talk therapy will not help you with this is that it has no structure. You know, if you've been to therapy, you go in and of course there's the get to meet, get to know you first session. So tell me why you're here. What do you want to work on? Okay. That's all very well and good. Cool. Then what happens next? Well, what happens next is sometimes you walk in and say, what what happened this week? What's upset you now? All right. It's open-ended, which means there's not a direction. And if you're a man watching this, I can tell you from my own experience with my ex-husband, as well as other men that I know who don't like therapy, it's because they don't know where it's going. There's no benchmark for success. My, my current partner went to therapy. He was having something in his throat and we had it scoped by the medical doctors. And I said, if there's nothing there, can, will you agree to go to get some therapy? Because I, didn't, I don't want to keep being the therapist. <laughs> so I want him to work with somebody else. And he did. He went three sessions and he stopped going. And it took a long time. I didn't ask questions like in in the process, but I know I knew why. And so, you know, six months passed and I said, So why did you not go? And it's because there's no structure. I didn't know where we're going. I don't know when I'm gonna be better. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just go and I talk. And when I was younger, I used to hate the idea of a therapist because I thought, why are you paying somebody you don't know to talk? Because even when I was younger, I understood that sometimes that's what it looked like. Now, again, it's not every every therapist okay so we're going to just make this umbrella about all the other ones all right not the ones that are doing all the progressive work that are utilizing different kinds of therapies within their practice we're talking about the ones that do traditional talk therapy now the other reason why there's no structure is that it's patient guided all right so if you're coming to me and this is how this is why like my podcast does really well In fact, one of my clients is here right now. When I first had my first session with her, I said, why did you want to work with me? And she said, because I don't know happy people in my life. And I listened to your podcast and I actually believe that you're a happy person. If you want to be a happy person, go learn from a happy person. How many of you will want to model your therapists? I I don't even, even my best therapist, I wouldn't want to model her because there are other things out of whack. There are other things that I didn't see. So we want to, you are the patient saying, here's what I want and need, but they're the expert who has information and tools to help guide you there. But if you come in and say, well, I'm really upset right now, most of the time they just listen to you and there's not necessarily a looking at, well, what's causing this? How are you looking at this? So it's patient guided, which you are an expert in you, but you don't have the tools to pull you out of your story. Starting where you are, um, and that's fine. We all have to start where we are, meaning- Okay, so I'm coming to you because I have a problem. But the problem with starting with you are is that your past created what's going on right now. So we have to look at some of, and not a deep dive, not a six month, two year dive into the stories, but we do have to look at what the core wounds are. The core wounds, which happen between one and seven or a little, or later, end up being the drivers of your entire existence. We are constantly searching for what's there. So we can't just start with where you are. We have to go back and at least find what that core wound is and pull it forward as quickly as possible. Uh, In terms of the clear path, I don't know many therapists. I haven't worked with one that necessarily unless I'm guiding it that have a clear path about what each session is going to be like. Now, there are some therapy models, like let's say Imago therapy. Harville Hendricks has, there's a 12 session, 12 step. You do different exercises in those 12 weeks. And that's because it's a specific kind of therapy. But if a general therapist, then we don't necessarily have that. It's again, open-ended and it often deals with the here and now. So you're in the current story and you're not looking at what contributed to the interpretation of the story. So these are some of the reasons why there's just not structure and structure creates clarity and a path. And when people have a path, they know how, how they're doing on that path. So, number two, and I'm going to get deeper into that on this one. So, in case that wasn't clear, traditional talk therapy keeps you stuck in the story. And I said that. So, when you come in, most of the time, because it's you're coming in because you have an emotion that you are wanting to, you have a situation. So, you're the main character of the story, and you then become the victim of that story. It's what's happening to you, it's what you're not getting. And There are problems in that, that I'll talk about as we continue, because if you're the victim, if you're, if you're the the main character, then we're not taking into consideration the dynamic of how you're creating that. How are you responsible for that? When you're a victim, you're not responsible. And of course, so the next one is you must be right. I've watched that. There's a couples therapy show. I only watched one episode, but there I see how, you know, when people come in, they just say, well, I'm a, i am I must be right. I'm the one with the problem. I'm the one here to deal with this okay, cool. Point of view. I, I'm here to deal with what's going on. How can I, but I have even heard people villainize the other people in their life. Well, this person did this. And so it, it gives the assumption that if you're upset, somebody did something wrong to you, which again, goes back to being a victim and I'm an empowerment strategist. Therefore, I want you to take responsibility and the power because from the place of victim, you can't control anybody else ever. You can try. You can use a gun. You can be manipulative. You can withhold love. You can try as much as you want to manipulate others into doing something for you to change, but it's a losing battle. You can't do it forever. It won't work. Someone will not keep wanting to change to please you because eventually they'll feel disempowered and they'll do the same thing to you. The cycle will go back and forth. A lot of times in therapy, I have this belief and I've heard it from a lot of clients and people that come to the show and work with me that, you know, you come to get validated. So it's, Oh, and, and I even have experienced that there's like, I even come and say, I don't need to be validated. I want to work this out, but it's still this whole process of getting validated. And I'm not saying you, you don't want to be validated, but it's the understanding that it keeps you in the story because it feels good all of a sudden someone is acknowledging you you need to be seen and heard which by the way is a very basic human need to be seen and heard however well we'll get to that basic human need to be seen and heard so if you're in the victim position which a lot of people are in and there's no judgment I'm going to teach you about that in case you've been in it longer than you'd like to be because again it's a place of disempowerment you won't win from that place ever because it's always what's happening outside of you We need to go what's happening inside of you and take responsibility for that. So if you're coming to get validated, again, it's this back and forth. It's like if you're sick, some people stay sick and get sick to get attention. I'm not assuming any of that is you guys. And I'm not saying, I'm not even judging that because half the time it's unconscious because you saw that when your sister or brother got sick, your parents paid a lot of attention to them and they got love. So your subconscious said, oh, I want more love from them. I should get sick. You did not choose it consciously. What you yearned for was love. So the whole validation piece again is looking for external uh, agreement that you're that you, whatever you're feeling, right? So the whole validation piece again becomes a little bit of addicted, especially if you're looking for it. And again, it's like a having a boat with a hole in it. It's always going to continue to drain out that hole until you fix the hole. And the hole is that we have to learn how to empower ourselves to get our needs met and to understand and then attract and elevate to a frequency where we can actually attract this from others. So the validation piece is almost a little bit addictive for some people. And again, it keeps you in the story because as long as I have a problem, you're going to go, oh, that's so terrible. You must feel terrible. And that person's bad. Um, We In keeping you in the story, you only focus on your point of view most of the time, right? Deconstructing what you think happened. And very rarely have I ever heard anybody talk about or deal with what that other person must be sensing or what's their point of view, or could you be wrong? What if you're the person coming in and you're upset, but you are the one in the wrong? What if the things that you've been doing, what if you're the problem? Which I would say for a lot of people, if you take that responsibility, you're going to have choice in order how to heal that. It's so much better to be able to say, I'm, if I say I'm responsible for everything in my life, I get choice. If I say everybody else is wronging me, I stay a victim. So along with saying in the story, we're not getting tools to create compassion for others, because again, it's all about me. And then the story is the framework, it's the foundation. So the energy doesn't change. It just stays the end. It just stays part of, the, of what you talk about when you come in. It's like you're circling in a frequency of this story. The story becomes the truth. The story becomes the bottom line. But what if it's not? So I've talked about victim, and I want to go a little bit more. Uh, Steven Cartman came up with the victim triangle, or the drama triangle and Lynn Forrest has been on my podcast several times, and we did three consecutive shows, actually four. We talked about betrayal. We talked about childhood wounds. And this is part of the subconscious programming that you get from age one to seven. And just so that, you know, we have what's called a starting gate position, which is sort of your dominant position that you start with. But everyone who's on the triangle being run by their program ends up Passing through all three versions of this. Okay. So I would be classic rescuer. I'm classic res- rescuer. So I'm doing the show. So I'm doing this. That's why we're having this conversation. So I can help rescue people, right? As long as I'm conscious about it, I can pull myself off of it. But when I'm in a program, I'm becoming the rescuer. But what happens with the rescuer is that when you, when the people you're trying to rescue don't listen or don't give you the love that you want, because there's a need underneath this, then you become the victim because you feel victimized that they didn't appreciate you and you didn't get what they wanted. And then from that position, after you're a victim long enough, then you get mad about it and you become the persecutor and now you're blaming them and discrediting people and getting negative about it. So it doesn't really matter where you start on the triangle, you end up in all the positions. And in your family dynamic, I bet that with with these three. So let's go over what it is. So the rescuer is the one that saves people as he or she sees as vulnerable and works hard and often helps, um, offers help unasked for, right? If you're always shoving information down people's throats who are not asking, you are a classic rescuer. Victim, all right, so looking at victim, overwhelmed by their own vulnerability and doesn't take responsibility for their own situation. So if you notice in your language that you're always talking about other people and how they wronged you or hurt your feelings, which by the way, no one can hurt your feelings, then you're kind of classic victim. And the persecutor is unaware of his own power and therefore discounting it. Power used is negative and often destructive. And again, all are blamey in ways. And on the triangle, you can probably think of in your relationships, who you're from your parents to your siblings, to your children, to your, par- your partners, you maybe even in work and, get, and notice who everybody plays first and foremost, who they lead with. Now, this drama triangle, like I said, is partly part of your programming. It happened, you know, subconsciously between ages one and seven, but until we take acknowledgement of it, there's nothing we can do about it. We just run these, these automatic programs in our brains. So hopefully you kind of have an idea of who you are in this and, and there's no judgment, meaning one isn't worse than the other because they're all, they're all disempowered in some way. And even being in this cycle of being in the drama triangle means you will play every part until you take yourself off the triangle with consciousness. Okay. So to give an example of this, um, one of my very new clients, I have to, because I, what we're about to do is really important. Okay. So she basically said the difference between the coaching one session and six months of therapy is that the directness that I was, she was getting from me was incomparable to the therapist. And the questions that I was asking was more productive. And anyway, the victim position was never discussed as a concept in therapy, but understanding this from the podcast and reading material has been very valuable. Because again, from the position of, if you don't even understand that you're a victim, then you don't understand what roles you're playing and the dynamics that are being created. And when we can understand and take responsibility for the position that we're in, now it gives you power to do something about it. So anyway, thank you. You know who you are <laughs> for, uh, for this. So I, I want to talk about a concept that I'm not sure whether you know it or not, but you know, we think about stress. And for me with emotions, what has been really interesting for my entire career is noticing the difference when I talk to somebody about stress versus emotions. And across the board, most people, men especially... If I say something about emotions, everybody goes, no, 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 emotions. Emotions like scare people. They go, no, no, I'm not emotional. Because I think what you interpret is that you are overly emotional or that it's weak. That's a big one, that it's weak. So, but when I say stress, oh my God, everybody wants to claim stress. Yes, I'm stressed out. Oh, yes, I have stress. Oh, my day is so stressful. My work is so stressful. My life is so stressful. So I hope you know that I'm gonna go over the anatomy of emotion with you. Stress is perception. So at first, you can't catch an emotion. You're not going to sneeze and catch an emotion. You're not going to walk into the, in, out into the world and catch an emotion. You first have to have an observation. So you're looking at something, or maybe it's a thought, or it's a memory. And here's the thing about the anatomy of emotion. It doesn't even have to be conscious. It could be subconscious. Something could subconsciously remind you and link to something in that programming that you have that from there creates an interpretation. So first it starts with the thought, observation or memory, then it gets interpreted. So what does that mean? That means that not everybody looking at the same thing is going to have the same reaction because from that interpretation, from what it means, now we're generating emotion based on the interpretation. How many of you have been classically around somebody or multiple people where something happened and everyone responded differently? Y'all saw the same thing. Everybody was in the same situation. Why were there 10 different responses? Why did somebody get really mad and upset? Why did someone cry? Why did someone go into freeze mode? Why did someone not react at all? Why did someone laugh? Didn't you ever think like, why is somebody, that's how what even got me into this in the first place. That in astrology was to look around and see, why are people not responding the same way I am? Why are you not horrified by the situation? And once I started to learn other things, astrology being one of them, and then understanding how people think, Oh my gosh, okay, cool. We're not all looking at this the same way because interpretation is going to be the story that creates the feelings. And then from the feelings, we then take action or we don't. So what are some of the factors that influence interpretation? Religion will influence interpretation. I mean, I'm gonna go over all each one of these, but take a look at this list and this is probably not even a full list. So if we go back to, I'm observing something here are all the things that get in the way of the interpretation. Here's what creates your response, your age, your love language, how you interpret love, your race, your education, your astrology, your sex and gender, your epigenetics, your birth order, your sexual orientation, your socioeconomic and environment upbringing, your brain balance, your ethnicity and your heritage, your health, and what frequency and vibration you are normally at. And that's basically an emotional place that you live at, right? If someone would say, what's your essence? Like what, what feeling do you normally like, or you are, you know, cause you, we know all the people. Can you name or think of somebody in your life who's always frustrated? Okay, so their frequency and vibration is low. It's out of alignment. It's always frustrated. Someone who's always worried or someone who's really happy or someone who's really positive. These are all frequency and vibrational set points that affect how we interpret things. Every single one of these things can make a mishmash of whatever that thought or feeling was and create multiple versions of interpretations. Now, the last thing about the anatomy of motion is that only 12% of it's conscious. That's the that's thought you can think, right? So if, if I say to you, what are you thinking about right now besides what's going on right here? You can be like, oh, I'm thinking about my friend who did this and that and how they might you know, relate to this or how they didn't respond the same way I did. Right? that's a conscious mind thought because you can hear it you know what's happening even when you're talking or listening to somebody else but 12 percent of the mind isn't what runs the show 88 percent of your subconscious mind that programming you got from one to seven that's what's running the whole thing so again that catching feelings doesn't happen but if you think you catch a feeling then we have no power because again i'm victim to catching a feeling but if we start to look at, oh, wait a minute, I created this feeling, how did I create this feeling? What did I think about? What did I observe? What did I remember? And what is, what am I making it mean? And now again, we have a framework and some power from which to do something about it. All right. And then factor number three, and, I, and we're going to spend a little bit of time with this exercise, is it only focuses, traditional talk therapy only focuses on one to two parts of the brain. So in Jill Bolte-Taylor's latest book, Whole Brain Living, and this is the whole brain communication map, is that not just a left and right brain, but two parts of each part of the brain, right? The anatomy of the brain says we have four parts of the brain. We have a left brain character one, which is our thinking brain. And then we have a left brain character two, which is our emotional brain. Then we go to our right brain, again, having a emotional part, which is three and our thinking brain character four. When we're looking at traditional talk therapy, we're mostly on the left side of the brain and we're mostly in character too. So then what happens on the right side of the brain? If we're not brain balanced, if we're not, we can't think our way into changing the right side of the brain. There are other modalities and therapies and tools that will help you create new neural pathways. But if we stay in one quarter or one half of the brain, we don't create new neural pathways to connect and open up channels in the other half of the brain. So let's talk about triggers. So what is a trigger? And this is where the brain comes into conversation and your stories and your subconscious programming because, I, because most people think, well, but I didn't, I, I couldn't think about that. It just happened. I just all of a sudden had this, um, this feeling in me, okay? No, oh, let me go back to the, what's the trigger. So, so the trigger ends up being, again, a indication that a thought or feeling, whatever the observation is, is a memory, is something that you agree with. So let's break down, again, anatomy of motion, observation, thought, or, or memory. Interpretation, it means something. Emotions. So if all of a sudden I'm emotional, I have to go back and think, well, why did I feel that way? Why do, why do I feel this way? What happened? What What made me think like this? And what's really interesting about the triggers is we always want to blame somebody else. And this is where, again, another reason why traditional talk therapy, I feel, really fails people is because we're talking about the trigger and maybe we come down from the trigger, but we never own the trigger. So how do you own a trigger? In the work that I do, in the work that you guys do, one of the things in in your life, one of the things that stops us from sort of expanding in our life is that we're afraid of criticism. So we don't say what we think. We don't offer an opinion. We don't want to put ourselves out there because we don't want to be criticized because we don't want to feel stupid. We don't want to lose connection and we are we don't want to lose love. So imagine someone says to you, and I'll use me as an example, but think about yourself. So my, obviously passion, I'm very passionate. And there's, I think I hear that all the time when I interview someone for the first time that they're always like, we're well, very passionate. So I know, <laughs> I know that it comes through. If someone were to say to me, J.J., you're like passionless, you have no passion. Like that wouldn't even land on me. I would laugh if someone was to say that to me. And I'm sure there's some trait within you, whatever it is that you know that you have, right? Maybe you're really generous. Maybe you're really empathetic. Maybe you're really giving. And if someone said, you're, you are not giving at all. You're super self-centered and don't care about anybody else and you're inconsiderate. Like if they were to say that to you, you'd think, i not true at all. And if you notice in your body, there's no, there's no recognition of that because you know it's not true. So with a trigger, what happens is we get mad and we get defensive when somebody else says something or does something that we then interpret means whatever we think it means and we want to blame them for hurting our feelings. But here's the rub. Whatever, else, whatever they're saying to you that's so upsetting to you, somewhere in your subconscious, you believe it or you agree with it, which is why it bothers you because it's hitting a wound in that subconscious from that programming that you had from one to seven and possibly even in later. And and how you know that that's true is because you're upset about it. So a trigger is literally a mirror of a wound inside of you. So we have to understand what our own wounds are and not in necessarily the context of a story that's happening right now, possibly, But we have to be able to look at it and uncover and acknowledge what our part is in that. When someone says something to you that bothers you, it only bothers you because, again, there's a part of you that believes it or you don't want it to be true. So in order to change how we're going to respond to that, we have to change our relationship to us, not necessarily to try to control somebody else. So because of the anatomy of emotions, I'm going to go back for a second. Because of the interpretation piece, because of the multiple influences of interpretation, someone really can't hurt your feelings. Because when you understand that someone who's coming at you, let's say in a mean way, I had this yesterday with a client and she was interpreting a situation where someone at work wanted something from her and was coming at her and she heard it as critical and she heard it as judgmental And she felt it as, oh my gosh, I, I feel so tired and I can't deal with this right now. And so it became a trigger that sent her into, into an emotion of wanting to like run the other direction. And I said, well, what, what's the compliment in that, in what the person said to you? And this is like a new thing I've never thought of. So I was really excited. I was like, what's the compliment in that? So what that means is the person who she thought was being sort of mean, he wasn't being mean, but the, what, the way he was saying it, I said, well, What are you hearing underneath this? And we came up with that he trusts her, that he cares about his job, that he feels safe with her. And all of a sudden we have now heard what's underneath the complaint or the, right? And what's happening for that person. So now I have compassion and empathy for that person. And now I don't take it personally. So we have to look at when I'm triggered, what is it about me? And what's going on for them Anyway, because I'll tell you that even if you're the, if you're the recipient of someone being mean to you, I get it all the time. Hello, I have a podcast and a YouTube site. And it happens all the time. And what happens is someone recently on a YouTube video was looking for one of my guests. And this was prior to when I started doing a, when I started doing a, a disclaimer and the disclaimer goes like this, welcome to the show, blah, blah, blah. If you're finding this on YouTube, know that this is my show. And what that means is I'm going to talk. So if you don't, and if you don't like me, that's totally cool. And then I say, guest, where can they find more of you? I get it out in the out of the way in the very beginning. So that if that person decides at any point in time, they do not resonate with me, perfect. They can go follow that person on their channel or wherever they can get more of that person. Because I had somebody who came looking for a guest who's recently been on national television and she was searching him and he, she found him. Well, then I start talking. And so she didn't like that because she didn't want to hear from me because she doesn't know me. So she got mad and she wrote an angry review on uh, YouTube and and called me egotistical. And I only wanted a free session and a selfish, whatever, all the things that you were saying. Anyway, I delete those now. But what I felt from her was like, oh, I get it. She was frustrated. She doesn't know me. She wasn't coming to see me. She doesn't know this is my show and she doesn't know how these things work. (laughs) So she doesn't understand that I have time and money to put put out free content for people. So I don't take it personally anymore because I understood what she wanted. She was frustrated. She wanted to hear this person, all right? Now, in the beginning, when I started getting negative feedback and comments, it did hurt my feelings. I was triggered. I was wounded. Why? Because some of the things they were saying is fears that I had within myself. I had the fear. Somebody said, oh, well, this first person came on. This didn't bother me, but it was when I was personal training. And they're like, you're too skinny to understand what it's like for me and what it's like for us. And I thought, oh, the pain of this person. She's in a lot of pain. So when you can understand your trigger, when you can understand that the trigger is a mirror, when you can understand that, that person is saying something underneath. They have something going on for them underneath this. Now we can actually get somewhere versus being the victim, being wounded, and other people can hurt you and affect you. Another reason why, and I did hear this from a therapist today, which was really cool, but in my experience and things that I've heard is that a lot of people focus on stress reduction or stress management instead of stress reduction. So let's talk about the difference between the two. All right, so stress management (laughs) focuses on, and I'm doing this in, in reverse order here, focuses on changing environments And adding coping mechanisms while reacting to circumstances outside of your control. I have seen therapists that I've worked with and clients of mine and other people with their clients who help them to still be in a control addiction and just change how they do the thing. They're just replacing it. It's like if you have an addiction, a substance addiction, which by the way, we all have addictions. Every single person here, in case you didn't know this, you have an addiction. And it may not be a substance addiction did a whole show on addiction and understanding addiction because I was dealing with addiction. And because now I understood that I have an addiction too. For a lot of people, their addiction is control. Now there's the obvious heart addictions, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, um, you know, that kind of thing. And food even can fall into potentially kind of not really in a heart addiction, but it's not quite a soft addiction, but food's an addiction. And when you replace one for the other, That's why I don't really support, well, you're not going to hear me go, yeah, you're sober because it's like, okay, I see a lot of angry people who come out of recovery who didn't deal with what got them in there in the first place. It's not the alcohol's fault. It's not the food's fault. You have an emotion inside of you you have to deal with and you're just numbing it with something and now you're just changing it to something else. So this is what I consider stress management is when someone takes a situation and then they just sort of try to facilitate and manipulate the circumstances or they do avoidance oh well that situation over there stresses me out so i'm not going to go there anymore i'm going to go over here because this has different interpretations and i feel better over here again this is stress management this is not stress reduction it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic it's not going to have the same outcome okay or you're going to have the same outcome it may look different going down but it's going to have the same outcome Stress reduction, however, is what I'm a big, big, big fan of, is focusing on the problem with problem solving and problem solving the triggers and the needs while taking responsibility for the stress response. Understanding why you react the way you react gives you the power to change how you react. There are multiple interpretations for every situation. There are multiple points of view for every situation. I had a client, when she started in the mastermind a couple of years ago, Her she was just starting her business. She had just retired and her daughter- had said to her, mom, don't do any of that. Like, don't do social media. Don't do like, oh, you're working too hard. And said client felt attacked, felt like her daughter did not believe in her, felt insecure. And I said, okay, but that's not what she meant. I can hear what she means. I said, what possibly other thing could she mean? And what her daughter meant was, you were unhappy in your career and you were depressed for many years. Now you're free, don't work too hard. I don't want you to go back to being depressed again how we hear things, it affects how we respond, right? So the stress response, the anatomy of motion is that if I'm interpreting it in one way, that doesn't mean it's right, just one way. Most of the time, it's probably the wrong interpretation because the person who's speaking it is trying to say something different. But what happens is our wounds cultivate a response in us because those wounds get triggered And all of a sudden we are not hearing what the intent was of the person speaking. It's always a miscommunication. So in stress reduction, we want to reduce the stress by understanding what those triggers are, taking responsibility for our interpretation of that and our response and our emotions, and then understanding and learning how to do a couple of different things, have compassion for the other person, how to get our own needs met. And we're going to do that very soon. All right, to help you understand the difference between stress management and stress reduction. And again, I often, even in a therapeutic situation from clients that I've worked with to clients, both as me and clients of mine, as well as they've been clients of mine, that I see this pattern of replacement, replacement behavior that doesn't change the behavior. And for me, this is my quote that I've said for years, emotional healing is when you are different in the same situation. So please remember that if you have to change situations to feel better, you are not healed. You are taking you with you and you will attract and manifest the same circumstances. Eventually it's like people that, you know, with multiple marriages and blaming that it was the other person, how many marriages do we need to go through until you take responsibility that you are a common denominator in, in the factor, right? We can't just say, well, I picked the wrong person. I mean, you can say that again, that becomes victim mentality. And in that position, you will always be disappointed because, in victim position, you'll never feel empowered and you'll never have choice because it's always somebody else's fault. Healing is when you are different in the same situation. And that is a test that you can do. You can go be in the same situation with the same people saying the same things. And when you in your body react and feel differently and have compassion, and hear it differently. You hear different words. That's what I did yesterday with a client. We, we went through all the different things she had heard and found within that, what is the compliment in that? What is another interpretation from their point of view? And all of a sudden, it, decent, it, it diffuses the whole thing. It diffuses all of the emotions surrounding that. So remember, healing, and especially emotional healing, is when you are different in the same exact environment. Otherwise, again, this compensation thing, you cannot run it. You cannot run your feelings and it will come up at some other point in time. All right, so here's the exercise. So it's, I call it the three steps to effective communication. And of course, I'm not gonna be able to take everybody through this at a you know super long pace, <laughs> right? Uh, we're gonna go through it. We're gonna talk about it. And then I'm gonna answer questions about it, especially at the end, but if you don't understand. And I see that there's some in the chat right now. So let me just pause for a second and just see if there's anything that I can... Uh, address. If you guys are just talking to each other, often keeps you in the trap. And dry. that's exactly what's going on. Okay, what if one gets out of the triangle, but others not so? You face a continuous dynamics. No, no. When you know because the whole point of getting off the triangle is having an observer perspective and understanding that they're in a pattern. And again, so this exercise is going to help you take your power back. So we're going to get to that, Eileen. I never would have went to therapy. I'm so glad for JJ helping me because, because helping me become aware of the drama triangle, being able to look at stories. Okay. Sorry. What emotion is under control? Well, uh, okay. Let's get to that right now. All right. So understanding. So this to me, so I had said client uh, last week and especially those of us. Like in, so I have a team. I'm building a team of empowerment strategists. And when I teach them some of the tools that I use, they get so excited. They just want to jump to some of these other tools because it's so cool to see some of the patterns and quickly get answers for lifelong issues that you've had. Right. And it's very empowering for you to understand what, how you can take your power back. But sometimes this exercise is all anybody needs to get started because it's in the here and now. And while you think it's going to be the easiest one, you're going to hear this and be like, okay, this is kind of easy. I'm going to promise you that it takes time to integrate, which is why I always teach it first. I teach it when I have one-on-one clients. I taught it my empowerment strategist first. I'm teaching. I teach it, it has to be first. I teach it at every workshop I ever do live because this framework has to be massaged because it's new for a lot of people. And these are words that you're not used to asking you're like to being present with. And there are questions that you haven't asked yourself. And so it takes a little bit of time. All right. So understanding and processing or understanding your emotions and identifying them. So here are the questions. There are three questions and this is what you can write down if you want to, but again, it's going to be in replay. So you don't, you don't have to. So the first question is what am I feeling? So what I want you to do right now is take a situation. So Aline, you said something about like, take a situation that you have in your brain right now. Just one, not like this person, that person, like take a, an argument that you had with somebody recently or something that you got offended by and got your feelings hurt, okay? Take, take that right now in your mind and ask yourself, what am I feeling? Now, for a lot of people that don't deal with their emotions very often, and, and here's what I'll say about emotions and why I think people are often very afraid of them, and why I think people suck at processing them, because again, that fear of control or that, that addiction to control that we have, emotions to you seem very scary because they may mean you'll be out of control. And so the emotions, the piece of the emotional piece is the hardest, and it's not, it doesn't have to be. If I explain it to, the, to you this way, imagine being on the planet for the very first time when there was a season. Okay. You're brand new. The planet's brand new, or at least civilization's brand new. And you go through spring and you're like, cool, I can pick an apple off the tree. And then you go through summer and it feels so good. And then you go through fall when the leaves fall and you go, oh, it's pretty, but God, I hope that comes back. I hope the leaves come back. Then you go through winter when everything starts to die and you freak out. What do you think your interpretation would be if it was your first time on the planet along the civilization and there was a winter? Seriously, wouldn't you be like, oh my God, is the earth going to die? I don't know who wouldn't think that because you would have seen the progression of everything is like, we have all this, all this vegetation and then it's really hot. And then things start to fall and then things to die. Am I going to die? Is the earth going to die? People would freak out. But because we've been on the planet, because we understand seasons, nobody freaks out because you know that after winter comes spring again, and that all of a sudden you're going to have fruit again. We know what's coming. We understand the cycles emotions are cycles if you look at i did a webinar called how how emotions affect healing and disease and i did it for a group of cancer patients and i put on the screen the chinese medicine wheel and cycle of qi qi meaning energy in your body in chinese medicine each one of your organs represents an emotional center so your lungs are where you hold grief your heart is where you hold joy Your kidneys are where you hold fear. Your liver is where you hold anger. Your spleen is where you hold worry. Your stomach also is a little bit worry also. So we have this cycle. And what they'll say in Chinese medicine is that your chi is cycling all the time. We're having emotions all the time. And as long as those emotions come in and come out, we're good. What happens is when we don't express our emotions, when we don't allow our emotions, when we repress our emotions, that those emotions as energy start to pull and they pull in one part of the body. How many of you have experienced or know somebody who's gotten bronchitis after someone dies or gotten had a cough? Okay, well, they have grief in the lungs. Lungs hold grief. How many of you know when someone's worried they have an upset stomach or they get sick? I was driving my cat to the vet to have surgery years ago, and I had to pull over on the side of the road to throw up after I had dropped him off it came out of nowhere. And I realized, holy cow, I am worried. I was so in the process of getting him there. And and then as I was driving, it sunk in and I threw up. Wasn't sick. I didn't have a bug. I didn't have the flu. I was worried. All right. We all understand that your emotion has a physical effect. If you're nervous, what happens to you? For some people, you get tension in your neck. Some people have an upset stomach. All right. So for a lot of you, if you're not aware of your emotion, this is the first step. And this alone can make a big difference, okay? But it isn't an end point, and that's what happens in traditional talk therapy is that this sometimes is the end point. Oh, how does that make you feel? 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 And all of a sudden, said client who's here, right, is stuck in a in a sea of depression and anxiety for six months because that's all we're talking about. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you feel? And there's nothing next. And what I'm going to teach you is what to do next. But for some of you, you don't even think about how you feel. Uh, I know people who you know, in my life and in, in people that I've worked with who, who are very outwardly, like, I would say something like, oh, can I reflect back to you what I'm hearing? Sure. Well, it seems like there's still some stuff that you're a little, that you're upset about or angry. I'm not angry. Okay. I use that a lot because I think it demonstrates and illustrates a good point. I had someone who I was around a lot who, when I said, well, you're very angry. I'm not angry. No, he was in rage. Right. So some people don't have a vocabulary for emotion because the frequency of rage is very different than the frequency of frustrated, but they're all under anger. And so we, again, we are not taught this in school. We are not even taught this by our therapists, most of us. So where are you going to learn about your emotions? Where are you going to understand what it does to your body? Where does it sit in my body? How does my body react when I feel this? What's an indicator of this. Okay. So the feelings, there are a hundred different feeling words and here's a hundred different feeling words. All right. And again, each one, even though there's a lot of them under sad, they all have different vibrational frequencies. It's not, you know, like I said, so rage being different than frustrated, what I'm going to do about that is going to be very different Mm -hmm. and how I might express that. Oh, I forgot to mention. So feelings going back to repression feelings and why in the whole season's and you're going through the cycle in your body of feeling different feelings every day. Again, like air, in and out, in and out. As long as the air comes in and out, in and out, we're good, which means your emotions have to come out. But a lot of people don't let their emotions out. Now there's healthy ways to let them out and, there, and productive ways, and there's unhealthy ways to let them out, which is why you don't, because you're afraid that if I let it out, I'll lose control. If you, But if you understand that emotion as energy is literally creating your experience, your life, your body, everything. And we have this ball of energy we're trying to push down. It's like a calorie. It either needs to be used or it's going to get stored and stored emotion, stock energy creates disease as well as depression and anxiety. So here are your hundred different feeling words. So back to the example of whatever you're thinking about. Okay, so the, what am I feeling? So take that next step and let's problem solve it so what are you feeling and write it down and another thing i'll say about this process and about emotions in general is the only time that people are doing this and the only reason you need to do this and we'll get that next is, is a need that's not being met when you have a positive feeling you know no there's nothing just celebrate that feeling a positive feeling is wonderful and joyous and we love it we're only going to ever focus on this when we're feeling bad because we want it to go away we, we want to understand why we don't want to stay in that negative feeling so go ahead and Pick two or three. I wouldn't do more than two or three. And I do have a link for you to get this list if you want the lists. Okay, all right. So hopefully by now you have a feeling and it's probably gonna be on the left side, right? Because again, it, we're not problem solving something good. All right, so you have a couple of feelings. Cool. All right, second question. What need is not being met or the perception of it that is creating the feeling? So here's where, when you have a negative emotion all the time, it's only because you have a need that's not being met or the perception of a need not being met, right? That's the only time negative emotion comes out is because we're reacting to an idea that something is not, something's missing. A need is not being met. Now, the word need triggers people because you think it means needy. You think it means weak. It doesn't. We have 86 basic human needs that I'm going to show you next. 86, basic human needs. Everyone needs to be seen and heard. You're a human on the planet in this time. Your existence needs to be seen and heard. So here are the needs and go ahead and take that. uh, Here's the feelings that I'm having in the situation that the umbrella is under. Okay, in that situation, what need is not being met? or what perception of a need is not being met. So go ahead and look at the needs really quick. Okay, needs, we're on needs. All right, so hopefully by now you have a need or two or three or four that isn't being met under the situation, okay? Now, here's the the kicker. And I know you probably, if the sentence goes, and, and most of you probably did this, it looks like this. I feel this because my need for this is not being met. And the next part is gonna be the strategies. So question number three is, or what strategies can I take to get the needs met? But it has to be without asking anyone else to be different because here's where the victim mentality comes in. If you, and and I'm sure that you probably, a lot of you said, I need him or her to do X, Y, or Z so that I have this need met and I feel better. And it's so ingrained in our culture. And it's even, I think it's perpetuated in therapy a lot um, because we're looking for other people to have behavioral changes to please us. We're looking for buy in about why they're wrong and why I'm the victim. And how i can ask them in a different way to do something different so i feel better again you are not going to control anyone else you're the creator of your own reality and you've got yourself here you have something to work out so what strategies can i create to get the need met multiple strategies now that doesn't mean someone isn't involved if i say i want companionship companionship is i want more than one person to be around but i can't say i need you to be my companion I can say, well, how else can I get companionship? Well, I could start to make a list of the people I like the most and spend time with the most and start calling them and making play dates. I could get a dog. I could get a cat. I could volunteer at a shelter. I could volunteer. Okay. So you, I want you to write down right now a couple different strategies to get one of your needs met that we just created in the beginning. All right. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So, and I'll give you an example of how to deconstruct something that you're maybe even unclear on. So my, in my past relationship, there was a gathering that would happen every year. And, and when I, and the first time I went, I think it was whatever it was new. And I learned the ropes the second time I didn't want to go. And I had all these icky feelings. And again, this is where we have to deconstruct what's going on. So I knew that my body felt tight. I felt constricted and I, and I just didn't know why. Cause again, you're in the feeling state. And that's fine, you're feeling it, but we have to understand the feeling. It's giving you information. It's, it's asking you to do something. We can't ignore that. So I said to myself, what am I feeling? And I thought I'm feeling, ah, well, I was feeling fear. I was feeling worried. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling a lack of freedom. Now, lack of freedom is an interpretation, but not a feeling, but I was feeling frustrated, worried, frustrated and worried, maybe a little bit aggravated. All right, why? And when I thought about why now, you know, I am gluten-free and I go between paleo and keto and I'm mostly dairy-free and I'm in the middle of the country and I'm thinking, okay, that no one's I'm not going to have any food. That was one of the first things I'm not going to have any food to eat. And I never ask anyone to make food for me. I take responsibility. I don't expect people to change what they're making because I'm showing up. I thought I'm not going to have any food. What am I going to do? All right. So what's the strategy for that? Well, go to the store, JJ. I was like, oh, okay, I can go to the store. I can go to the store. There's a refrigerator in the, in the house that we're staying in and I can, put, I can you know, make my own food, no problem. And I can keep my mouth shut. And I'm sure there are things that are gonna be there. I can eat, just not a lot. All right, so that need was met, check. Next, I was like, okay, well, I feel trapped. I have a lot of Sagittarius in me. I have a lot of freedom. Trapped in the middle of the woods with no cell phone reception. Okay, those are not good things with people that don't talk. So I was like, all right, I don't wanna feel trapped. I wanna be able to talk to somebody or get on the phone or use my computer or something. So I thought, all right, well, I feel trapped because I don't have freedom because I don't have a car. So I thought, all right, rent a car. All right, cool. I can rent a car and drive away from the campsite to go somewhere where there's reception if I want to talk to civilization (laughs) or do something. Cool, all right, that felt better. Check, number two. And the third thing was, well, I also, my love language is quality time. And as you are all discovering, if you didn't know before, I'm a talker. So I don't have anybody to talk to because I'm weird and nobody who's here wants to talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm also deep. So I don't really want to talk about surface stuff, but they're not talkers anyway. So that requires other people. However, that's where the mirror comes in. I have to say, well, I can't control them. So what can I do? I can go within. I'm not going to talk to myself, but I thought just like pretend it's a silent retreat. (laughs) Pretend that it's a silent retreat. Take a journal and write down your thoughts. Literally talk to yourself through writing. And make it a silent retreat because you can't ask them to do something they don't want to do. So I did that. And that, and all of a sudden I felt better. I felt relief. And then when I went to the event, I got the deep conversation with a few people, right? Because I got my needs met. I changed how I felt. I changed my perception. I gave myself the power that I wanted, that I was giving, I was blaming other people from taking from me. So that's my story to display kind of deconstructing what was going on for me. And hopefully that helps a little bit and you can come up with some strategies to get your own needs met. So if you would like this feelings and needs list, because I still use it today, I use it with every single client. I use it on myself when I want to deconstruct something and understand what's going on so I know what to do about it, all right? You can go to jjflazanes.com forward slash feelings list and download the three questions and the feelings and needs list and the vibrational scale that goes with it, which is what I'm gonna talk about right now. So in law of attraction, there is and in quantum physics, because that's what law of attraction is. It's quantum physics. We to make it really simple, the left side is the is the positive emotion and the right side is a negative emotion. And, and you are in alignment. Your intuition is speaking to you. You're able to hear it when you're on the left side. OK, when you feel good every day in your life, the choices that you make, the conversations that you have, the beliefs that you have, the feelings that you're not expressing create momentum. So what happens is many times people get into a, or are in by default, again, think of your, think of your subconscious programming, you're in a default negative momentum. So from that position, the, str- the longer you've been in it, the stronger it is, the more neural pathways in your brain you have for that, the easier it is to get triggered, the easier it is to feel disempowered, the easier it is to worry, to have anxiety and to be thrown off balance. Part of the difference of the work that I'm talking about versus the work that I think that gets done in therapy is creating new neural pathways and, mo- and changing momentum and being aware of momentum. So I did a talk, and some of you were here from that talk from, with Isha Patel over the uh, last couple of days called the Global Awakening Summit. And my talk's title was Transmuting Stuck Emotions. Transmutation means to change something from one form into another form. The, the more momentum you have on one side, can be tr- it's energy you can transmute that energy into positive. And I'll give you one example that you can use right now. For anyone who worries, if you worry, what is worry? Let's break down worry. Because so many people worry justifiably, they think it's their job as a parent, they think it's their job as a spouse to worry about somebody. Worry is not in the present, worry is in the future. If most of you were to stop dead in your tracks right now and say, am I worried? Like, what am I worried about? Look, I'm breathing, I'm fine the house is standing, everything's cool. Yes, if you're in the moment, everything's fine. It's when we start thinking about the future. So worry, energy, worry probably gets in your stomach. Worry probably uh, maybe tightens your shoulders. Worry, like what does worry do to you? Do you breathe faster? Do you, how, what, what happens in your body with worry? And what is worry? Worry is a story that you're telling yourself about something that hasn't happened. It's made up. It doesn't exist. And its ending is negative. Okay. You're telling a bad story. So, what do we do with worry? How do we transmute worry? Well, worry feelings, worry energy is very similar to excited energy. So, how we can transmute worry instantaneously is recognize the negative story you're telling yourself about something that hasn't happened yet that's not true with a negative ending. And especially if you've practiced this a lot. You already know that, so cool. If you need to go down that, fine. Spend your five minutes telling the negative story so maybe you can go, ah, what's the worst that can happen? Can I handle that? Fine. But then you've spent X amount of time creating negative momentum, creating that story. I want you to stop and pivot. And for a lot of you, I want you to actually physically turn your body in the opposite direction or turn your head in the opposite direction or do what I'm doing with your hands and do like left side, right side. Because worry energy and excitement energy are very similar in the body the difference is the excitement energy is what's wanting to emerge. What's the positive story? What do I want to have happen? Because how often are you telling the story about what you you say I'd like this, but then you tell the negative story. You get into a negative momentum, which is never going to manifest you what you want. So transmuting the energy of worry into excitement starts to put you in the driver's seat for understanding, either creating your own reality and creating what you want, and creating new neural pathways in your brain. That as they get stronger, as you have more literally roadmaps in your brain to activate the right part of the brain now, in the excitement, in the adventure, in the story that's going to work well for you, now we're going to desensitize your ability to get so caught up in any trigger right away. So in the brain, just like in muscle, if you do the same exercise all the time, there are certain muscle fibers that will get strong and the rest of them won't be participating. So if you've ever done, worked with a trainer or been in some kind of training program, you know that trainers want to have you do different exercises, you know, like mix it up a little bit. And the reason you mix it up a little bit is because you want to activate new muscle fibers so that you can have more balanced joint integrity, more balanced muscle, so that you can keep getting results because you want to activate the guys that that your brain's not talking to. Well, it's the same thing in your brain. Your brain has pathways that it's used to. And the more stories, the more negative momentum that gets created from the stories that you tell, you have really strong, like major mega pathways for negativity, for depression, for anxiety, for sadness. And you're not going to all of a sudden go from depression and sadness to joy and elation because you've even practiced it. It's like doing a sport for the very first time. You're not going to be great at it. You might be okay, And your body's definitely going to be like, what's going on right now? And and you might be sore in new places because it's new and you don't have the neural pathway set up for it. So this is an important understanding for you to have because you are contributing to strengthening negative pathways or creating new ones. And that momentum takes consciousness and conscious awareness of your thoughts to pivot and tell a different story. So when you want to go into worry, Stop and say, what's, what, what's wanting to emerge? Like, what do I want? Rather than tell the story that isn't even true. Again, none of them are true. And someone might say, well, JJ, but it's not true. Right, neither is a negative one. They're both not true. So why not tell a story that feels better? Because then you're going to help yourself get it. You cannot get from negative story to positive outcome. <laughs> okay, so we have to create new neural pathways in the brain. All right, so I'm going to pause for just a second and see if there's any other questions I'm going to ask answer more questions. All right. Okay. So, uh, so Aline's asking about what's about respect and to be seen and heard. All right. Any of the things that are on the list that you think you need from someone else means you need them from you first. I need respect, right? Then you're not respecting yourself. How can I get more respect from myself? Well, it might be get out of the situation. It might be have better boundaries. It might be leave the job. It might be choose a different partner. It might be Stop taking everybody, like listening to everybody else instead of listening to yourself. Yes, ouch, right, right. That's the rub, but that's the power. When I can, when I, I, and I'm telling you this, it's when you take it, it's at first it may be like, ouch, but then you go, oh, because you're the blueprint for how others treat you. If you don't give yourself love and respect, if you don't see and hear yourself, if you don't celebrate yourself, how in, in the world do you expect someone else to? That is where the victim position of I need it from other people has to change because then you're like, it's again, the never ending hole in the boat. It's just going to keep going out. Just going to keep going out. You're going to keep sinking. You cannot give your power away to others and expect to feel empowered. And when I ask for others to do for me, what I am not doing for me, mm -mm, that is not empowered. Okay, cool. All right. Um, So, and again, that's a hard thing. Um, if any of you know the work of Byron Katie, um, she has her four-step questions and I, I like it, but I think it's overkill. Uh, I think all you need is one thing, a mirror, (laughs) just turn the mirror right around, just skip to the end, turn the mirror around. What you put out is what you're getting back. Okay. Again, this is quantum physics. What frequency you're on is the things that you notice that's going on. You can't have something in your experience that you're not in agreement with. So, can we look one more time at the question? Yes, all right. Somebody said on, when I was with Isha, and I don't know if that person's here or not, but uh, said that I am afraid of putting myself out there because I'm afraid to get annihilated. And I said, right, because you are expecting others to tell you what your worth is instead of you knowing what your worth is. So when I hold back, because I'm afraid of being criticized, yet I wanna be seen and heard, What does that mean? That means I'm not seeing and hearing myself. And that if I put myself out there, I'm hoping someone else sees and hears me and reflects that back to me, even though I don't believe it, which really means you're not going to get it. So we can't can't live from that victim place of of fear of everybody else's stuff. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're going to live by yourself. This isn't a disconnection piece. This is a, when you you can problem solve and, and really deconstruct what is going on for you for real, what you need, Your life will change. You will be elevated, okay? You will attract better things. Your frequency will raise. Your experience and what you have in your life will change. Your body, your health will change. You can't tell a cancer story over and over again for 20 years and not be in alignment with cancer. We have to appreciate whatever's going on with us as a bridge from one part to another to ask our lives to be different. We have to see what's happened what we've, what we've allowed in, what we've asked for, what we've attracted in as a message for what we need next. And it's a stepping stone, not an end point. And just, and another thing I didn't even put on this now that I'm, see, I knew I think of more things. The other reason I'm not a fan of traditional talk therapy is because you often get labeled and you get labeled as having some disorder. And the problem with the disorder is now there's a container and the interpretation for the rest of your life. You are bipolar, you have anxiety, you have depression and, and half of that shit is not even real. Okay. Um, but that's another story. So I don't like labels. I think labels don't help people. I think labels are victimy. I think labels are blamey and they keep you disempowered. What can I do about this? What is it in me that needs to be healed? What is it in me? That's how we're going to grow and that's how you're going to expand into the next part of who you are. So, again, I, like I said, I could keep you guys here for like the next five days. So, what's next from this? Obviously, this is just the beginning of the conversation, but for some of you, it might not be. Maybe that was enough for you. Um, so, of course, if you're dealing with some things you want to work out, the option number one would be, of course, to do nothing. Okay, don't do anything. So, you do nothing, you get nothing, right? Option number two would be to keep doing what's not working. And that's, I think, the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So, You know, but that's an option. Some people are very comfortable there. That I would call that an upper limit. Upper limit meaning that I do not think I deserve more success, love, and abundance. I think this is all that I deserve. Therefore, I'm not going to allow in more. So I'm just going to stay here because I'd rather have the misery that I know than to take the chance of something on the other side of this. So, option two, just keep doing what's not working. And of course, option three is to get some help and learn the tools. So let me share with you what's happening. I'm going to be doing a course called The Roadmap to Emotional Healing, and it's taking these very basic tools. So I how I handle and, and I'm doing it as a class because it's impossible to handle you know, a ton of clients at one time, even with my trainers that I want to take and empower you to do this on your own. And I want to give you the tools that you can continue to use throughout your life at different points, parts of time when you're triggered or when you're not triggered and, uh, and to do it together as a group. So I talked about the core wounds. So I handle, how I handle and teach my trainers is to do a little bit of more like a medical diagnostic review of what your core wounds are. Because without understanding our core wounds, we don't have that map. The core wounds, the map starts with the core wound. So if you weren't seen and heard as a kid and you felt invisible and we don't heal that and you don't know and we don't deal with how to heal that, then everything that you choose in life is trying to get that need met subconsciously. The jobs, the friends, the partners, okay? It literally rules your entire life until you understand it and you get that need met yourself and you heal it and you do the opposite behavior. You don't do the compensating behavior anymore that you believe in yourself enough and you love yourself. So we start with the diagnosis of what is the core wound. We're not gonna start there on the first session, but we'll do on the second one. Right. And then and then we start to look at the other tools that can help the healing journey. And there are a ton of them. All right. So again, on week one, we're going to identify the issues you want to focus on and deconstruct the situations like we did here. But obviously in more detail and differently, because I only ever do classes one time live, because once it's created live, then it goes off to be something someone can do on their own and be a DIY. Right. So my invitation to you is that I haven't done this yet. And I'm going to do it in April. And when I do a class live, you get Q&A and you get Q&A as long as you have Q&A and we can deal with this stuff. And it's a lot less expensive to do it in a group than it is to do it one-on-one. So week number one, we're going to identify what you're coming in to want to work on and deconstruct the situation using the tools that we just used, but more specifically for you. Now, week number two, we're going to start the core wound work, all right? Week three, we're gonna. I'm gonna teach you how to look at the core wound work and identify your patterns. There's so much information in this exercise. You're gonna identify your patterns. You're gonna see it so clearly. I had a behavioral change when I did this exercise the very first time. When I could see exactly how I cope with not getting what my needs were as a child, I saw the pattern in my entire life, and I was like, oh. And I put and I and I literally in that instant stopped doing it. Well, okay, I stopped doing it in my marriage. And I did it less in life, but, you know, and I've done it less and less, but there's still little, little remnants in there. Okay. But so much better than before I was unconscious of what it even was. And then I'm going to teach you how to look at, well, how do I heal that? When you see the pattern of how you respond, you know, how to do the opposite of that. When you look at what needs weren't being met by the caregivers that you had. Now we have information to how to get it met. But otherwise, we're just talking about the story. That's the problem with talk therapy is you stay in the current story. And the current story doesn't freaking matter. The current story was created by the wound from your past. And until we understand what that is and we heal what's with inside of you, then you stay stuck in the story. Week four, we're going to look at what other tools you're going to need on the journey to continue the healing process, right? And they can be individualized, obviously, for, for you guys. So we're going to be creating new neural pathways in your brain. We're going to be increasing your mind-body connection and and learning how to activate higher vibrations more often, which means getting into the right brain because you can't think your way there. You have to act your way there. You have to do physical things there. We're going to strengthen your ability to pivot, what I was just talking about there, with the worry into, into excitement. We're going to uncover those hidden beliefs that keep you stuck. That's looking at the core wounds and then other related beliefs that you have about yourself that are keeping you in these patterns we're going to assess your environment of course you're going to get accountability for taking inspired action because every week we're going to meet once a week you're going to have homework and every week we're going to come together for four weeks in april right on wednesdays we'll look at the blocks and then we'll deal with whatever comes to the table so in the work that i do in the empowerment strategist program and in coaching and with the coaches these are just some of the tools that i have all right it's identifying your love styles. I teach muscle testing. We do EFT and how to clear yourself from energetic blocks. We look at how you upper limit yourself and don't allow in more love and abundance and why, and what are your patterns to do that? And like I said, worry is a big one for most people. Worry is how you stop yourself from getting more because you tell a negative story, which keeps you stuck because you don't trust or you don't, it's a, you're afraid. And here's something else I'll say about fear. Fear is not an end point. Fear is an indicator. And I know I'm kind of like getting close, running out of time, but fear is an indicator that change is about to happen. So when you're not going to get to a level in your life where you allow in more with no fear, I'll tell you from personal experience of growing and growing and growing and growing at each level. There's a little bit of fear. There's always a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt. But what happens is you get good at recognizing it. You get good at going, oh, that's what that is. Okay. And then you can breathe into it and you can create a strategy for going through it, but you do it anyway. When you don't get on this path at all, then you, you never get better at doing any of this and you stay in your loop. So we look at self-care, we under, we're we dealing with triggers and understanding them, body awareness and grounding. We look at subconscious and we do subconscious work, balancing mental and emotional processing, processing emotions. How do we process them? How do we feel them? What are safe ways to allow yourself to process them? Uh, creating boundaries, the victim triangle, strengthening your intuition. We look at your astrology. Okay. These are just things that, these are some of the tools that get used. Okay. And I'd even put in here whole brain living, which is a whole new one that is, you know, okay. Okay. So Libby is one of the clients that I've had, and she's one of my trainers. And she said that after years of therapy, going to the same sad story without any real progress, she felt each session feeling doomed, ashamed, and stuck. I have experienced that too. The 50 minute mark comes and I, I we just got to the wound and now, bye-bye, you're leaving now. <laughs> she said that after only two sessions with me, she felt inspired, hopeful, and in control of her life and ready to conquer all the challenges. And she's become such an advocate for my work. She's one of my empowerment strategist trainers. And Scout, who's with us here, uh, she said she had immediate results. She's been in therapy for a better five years, and, but didn't have real change in growth until she found me. She appreciated the validation and support from her therapist, but she was staying in victim. And so that's a big thing. Again, if we don't look at wh- how we contribute to our situation, then we're always in victim. And a lot of you are here out of referrals from doctors that work with Dr. Naysha and Dr. Naysha uh, is a big you know, advocate for me in the work that I'm doing, because as she says, talk therapy keeps you in the story where I employ and focus on creating a new story and therefore a new response so that your body in that new story, new response can heal itself. Um, and that I address the whole person and she has you know, basically introduced me to all of your doctors, right? So that we can actually get out of the story get into a new frequency where the body can heal. And then Dr. Sheree Carter Scott is actually one of my coaches and she is like mother coach. So if anybody knows her work, if life is a game, these are the rules. If love is a game, these are the rules. And, uh, and she just thinks the world of me and, and feels better that I'm here to take over after she retires. So let's talk about this program. What does it cost? All right. So for the live course in April, the four week course is valued at 997. I'm going to add in there two sessions, two one-on-one sessions and that is 697 and the anatomy emotions course for 197. So the total value cost, okay, it's not the offer for today, but the total value would be $1891. But because you're here, you can get the whole thing for 697 in full. That includes the two sessions with either me or one of my trainers. If I'm not your cup of tea, totally cool. But you can work with one of my trainers after the course is over. You can take those two sessions once the course is over. 697 in full or three payments of 250. Easy. They're monthly payments. So you know that should be for anybody who's struggling, that could be an easy choice. Okay. And now we can go to QA. Um, I know some of you have been typing and I'm gonna have to scroll back to find it. Okay, time commitment for the course. Good question, Kelly. So you are so it's uh thanks, Maddie. It'll be 90 minutes once a week for four weeks and they are recorded so for those of you that can't come live for all of them you will be able to watch the replay and you will be responsible for doing the homework on time it keeps you accountable which is why i love the live courses when i create these programs because more people get i think i just heard a sale uh so who just who just bought okay cool well you're strengthening intuition now there are nine left nine strengthening intuitions left and you get the two sessions with me so yeah it's recorded it's an hour and a half but I will tell you that I, because it's the first time I'm doing this and it will be the only time that I'm doing this, by the way, that's where you're gonna get the access to me. I will stay longer to answer more questions for people that are on the course. So if you're interested, um, there's a lot of value. Again, you're getting two sessions. Two sessions is six ninety seven anyway. So you're getting that for free basically. So, um, all right, so questions. Um, at this point, if anybody wants to raise their hand, if they wanna come on and ask the question verbally, you don't, you're not gonna be on camera. It's every Wednesday in April. Because there's only four Wednesdays in April. At what time on Wednesday? So five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern. Okay, Claudia, go ahead and ask a question. Okay,
0: okay, Dad, I have to remember my question. Um, because it's like nine o'clock here in in Eastern Standard Time. Um, so when when we take the course, can we will we be able to ask these questions, or will they all all of the questions be done in chat? we Will be able to actually you know, talk, you
2: know, yes, we will actually talk. Yes, we can have questions. Absolutely. That's why that's the benefit of doing this, of doing the course, right? Because you'll get access to me to answer these questions throughout the course. And then you'll get two sessions on the back end to even work that out even more to continue to, to make your map. So um, unlike this, because this is a larger group of people and it's a presentation, I'll still have a presentation and, and a teaching, but it's also processing. And I think, and that's also value of being able to sort of do it out loud because you're not the only person who probably has the same issue. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's uh, and, and the same situation because a lot of us are having similar situations. So you will get access to have questions. And I'm happy to, again, because this is my jam, um, I'm happy to stay a little longer for the people that stay live. So if you want to keep asking me questions, I'll probably go to two hours on, you know, whatever day in order to to really get, make sure people get the value
0: that they want from this. Right. Okay. So it's, so when does it actually start? It's April. Um, can you give me the dates?
2: Yes, it is April 6th, 13th, 20th and 27th.
0: Okay. Um, i think that's all of the questions that i have for now sounds really interesting and i have to say one thing yeah it's so interesting that this this should come up now because i have been seeing a therapist but just once a month he's actually just told me last week that he's retiring he is 76 years old of course amid tears and and, and everything i i was very shocked and i was very surprised and um and i but at the same time, I thought about you. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe this was just something that was supposed to happen in the universe, that this was going to happen. So it, you know, it it was um, I think more than separate serendipitous. All right. Definitely.
2: Definitely yeah. sounds like divine timing and possibly a next step or another point of view or another, okay. like it's like a time yeah. to up level, right? Actually, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, Claudia. Okay. Anybody else? Max?
0: Uh, this is a little bit related to astrology, but I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about
1: it. I've, uh, I've, I'm honestly admitting that I have no good information on it, and uh, it just kind of caught my ear. You could just tell me a little bit about it, how it ties into what you're talking
0: about
2: it. Oh, sure. <laughs> I did two, two courses on astrology, uh, a beginner's course and an advanced course, and um, So your sun sign is what most people know. They know they were born and like what their sun sign is. And that most people don't think astrology has any value because they look at a horoscope and think, well, there's a million people born on that day or in that month. Like, Why is that, (laughs) Like, that can't be accurate for me, right? But what people don't understand is just like, I don't know if you do cook or bake at all. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you make a dish and there's multiple recipes for that dish, right? And the ingredients change. And the ingredients change the flavor of that dish, even like chocolate cake. You know, I love chocolate cake, but there are a million recipes for chocolate cake and they're all different and they all taste different. Yes, it's chocolate, but still the flavor starts to change. Astrology, your, your astrological blueprint, how I like to look at it is your birth chart has, like where the planets were at the time of your birth. And there are many layers of this. Um, you, I deal with, now I've, since my next level astrology class, I now deal with eight planets seven on the inside, one on the outside. I've added Chiron to what I look at people's charts because Chiron is the wounded healer. And I think that Chiron, wherever your Chiron is, gives you a little bit more validation of that. Your path has been predetermined to heal something in you that you're then going to teach others about. So I've added Chiron, but what I look at is your son, which is your personality, your soul, if you will, like you're in this, in this lifetime, then you have, thanks Kelly. Um, your your moons how you deal with emotions so if i had to say what did you need to look at the most in your astrological chart you would look at your sun and your moon and even more importantly really the moon why because the moon deals with how you deal with emotion so i'm a pisces but my moon's in sag which means that i i'm about the why the sagges are are truth seekers i'm a truth seeker so that would be different if I was a Pisces with a Pisces moon, where I'd be very feeling and I'd be really prone to more depression and getting into that negative momentum because I would. Pisces are like the doormat of the signs. I didn't say that; someone else did. Uh, we're not. We're awesome. But um, but knowing how, like if you're water, water is, is is emotion. Air is in the head. It's it's thinking. So people have anxiety often, sometimes have a lot of air in them because it's them. They're always in their head. So if you're Libra or Gemini, so. Uh, Earth is usually really stable and, and not stuck, but like they don't really move very much or change very much. And then fire is very active, very action. I have a lot of fire, right, in my, with my water. So astrology changes our interpretation because if I, how I handle, how I process emotion is gonna be based on my moon, how I react in certain situations, like my Venus is how I deal with love relationships. Your Mars is how you deal with sex, right? So that we're looking at different planets to see what energy rules that planet Because the energy and the element will give us information about how to do something. Like when I was a personal trainer only, I would do everybody's chart just to know how to talk to them because you can't motivate someone to do something that isn't in alignment with their energy. And if I know that someone is very prone to a way of being in an energetic field, like if they're like, they love to like problem solve and think about things and I'm going to give them that if they're detail oriented i'm not going to ask somebody who's a water sign to to make an excel spreadsheet of the, all of their activities they're not going to do that but someone who is a right exactly so to me astrology is one of the huge factors and it also creates compassion for others because when you can understand that your partner is not reacting to you or whatever whoever in your life isn't reacting to you that that's how they react to everyone then again we get less triggered we get less hurt we get um Thank you, Pamela. And everybody. I'm going to go read the rest of the things. Does that make sense? So astrology really gives us more information on, on how we behave, how we interpret the world, how we communicate, how we show up.
0: I see. It does make a lot more sense now. Good. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyone else have a question they want to raise their hand? Uh, what about trauma? Will we deal with trauma? Yeah, we're going to deal with trauma. Um, absolutely. We're going to deal with trauma can two people do this together? Sure. Like Phil, are you saying like, if you get it and you have a wife, can she do it with you in your house? Yes. Um, Is there a specific astrology chart guide you recommend? Uh, Jan Spiller uh, is who I work with now. So Jan Spiller would be a great place to get information for your astrology chart. And again, I've done two, I've done episodes on my podcast about astrology. I've done two courses on astrology and you're welcome to check those out. And I, you know, just send me an email if you're interested. It's jjflazanes.com forward slash astrology for the first course, which is where I would start. You don't need the the second one. It's it's advanced. I only made the advanced one for all the people that took the beginning one because I wanted to go because I was only dealing with inner planets. I wasn't dealing with outer planets like your Jupiter, Uranus, your Chiron um, because it can get pretty detailed. Yes, sure, I'm responsible. Just wonder how far we are going to go in the privacy aspect of trauma. So it's not, thanks Krista. We're going to problem solve your emotions and your needs. We're going to look at the trauma. We're going to look at the core wounds and we're going to make a strategy to heal those core wounds. And again, so the map, so I, we're going to make a map. We're going to make a map of the things that you need and your journey on the map will be dependent on your speed of processing, you're doing the work, and then how much time one needs in each section. And it won't be a map you can do forever, it'll just be a map you can do for now, right? Because when you get to each, so it's think of like A, B, and C, right? So you're at A, you can't see C from A, okay? But we ha- what we can know is, so when you're on A, all you can see is B, and then from B, you know how, to, oh, now I'm at B, now I can see C. The map we're going to create is going to be here are the tools that need to be implemented and where they go on your map is going to be personalized for you and then what you're again ready for what you're willing to deal with what you what's interesting to you what you you know kind of what you need based on your core wounds and then based on where we get to with the first two exercises this is just skimming the surface but it's starting you on giving you tools that you can use forever when you know how to problem solve your feelings You know, so said client that I was talking about in the beginning, you know, now has a structure for how to problem solve her emotions. She didn't get that in therapy; she just had feelings and just kept be asking, "How do you feel? How do you feel? Does that make you feel?" Wasn't like, "What do I do about it?" Okay, well, how now when you know what to do about it, now I have power. Now I feel better. It's very simple, but it's not easy sometimes, especially if you're dealing with self worth issues and you need to learn how to love yourself. But that's what I'm going to give you the tools for on how to do some of that. I don't know how many of you believe in whether it be angels or universe or God or source or whatever. Hey, it could be even you're like your grandmother that passed away, but we are getting messages all the time. And even if it's just your internal self, like inside your, you know, the messages from your own brain that want to reemerge, we can better hear and assess those when we're in our, when we're in, when we're in alignment. Now, the problem is a lot of people, think that any message they get when they're out of alignment is something to follow you don't want to follow all of the thoughts you have when you're out of alignment because again you're in that negative momentum so that is not how we create change or get the things that we want because we acted on something out of alignment so strengthening your intuition is about again creating new neural pathways in the brain to allow us to receive the messages that are around us all the time What has happened through the work that I've been doing over the last three, since 2018, I did a releasing weighs you down and we've been teaching energy work and energy clearing and all this emotional stuff. And what has happened through my evolution is that I, I have increased my psychic abilities. Now I'm not psychic and I'm not going to read anything. I can't channel for you or anything like that. But what I get, I get messages. I trust my intuition. I act on my intuition. I know how to get to it. And a lot of people don't, can't get to it because they're out of alignment and they don't know how to get to it. So we want to create new neural pathways in your brain to open us up to receiving what's already there that we can't receive because we don't have a pathway to interpret it. So hopefully that makes sense. Is there a specific workbook that you would provide? It's gonna be, uh, yes. I don't know how thick of a workbook it's gonna be, but it'll be a bunch of pages that you're gonna, yeah, it's this homework that there'll be pre-work and then there'll be the work we do within the course. And I don't wanna give it all to you ahead of time because I wanna make sure people stay in the process of, here's the first exercise and here's what you focus on. Because when I give somebody something that's too far ahead, you skip ahead and you might not do the work. (laughs) Thanks, Doug. All right, Doug is putting up another link to the course. JJFlanes.com forward slash bootcamp. So the strengthening intuition will help to start creating those new neural pathways to trust your intuition, to get the downloads, to get the hits, to get to know how, and there's meditations in there. There's tapping in there. There's all kinds of things that, again, will start to change your brain chemistry when it comes to your thoughts and feelings, okay, right? Not creating chemistry when it comes to neurotransmitters, that's in your food, but um, but it will help to create better feelings. If you're programmed to feel badly because you've practiced feeling badly, you're not good at feeling good. We have to create that. Um, I'm wondering if this would work for adult mother and an adult son who have a lot. Absolutely, we speak, but have a lot of black. Here's what I would recommend, especially if she thanks Stephanie, Phil, I would do the work for you first and then, you can share it with her after you do it. Maybe here's a, you know, when you're, if you're in a relationship, I have helped fix relationships and save marriages with one person because you don't have to have buy-in from the other person. Now there comes a point in which you might, but to start, you bring stuff to the table. We can work on that. You don't have to ask someone else to participate in. And it's possible that, cause some people don't, people don't want to change. And, and the ones that do embrace that they are responsible for their reality like let's say Phil, if it's your, you and your mom, if your mother wants to do it, cool, absolutely. But if she has any resistance to it, she doesn't need to, because you will have compassion for her in a new way. And when you there's an there's a Wayne Dyer quote that says when you when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So do the people. When you show up differently, what you pull from them is different than what you've gotten before. The problem is most people show up to relationships expecting certain things to happen. They get exactly what they expect when you can open up and see different things. That was, I mean, I worked on my marriage for so long. It's how I learned all this that I even got to the point where I was vibrating so high. I was working so hard at keeping up such a high charge. I would literally pull out of him what I wanted, but then I couldn't sustain that because I can't vibrate for him. But I could focus on what I appreciate. I could focus on what makes me excited. I could get there. And then then I would get the behavior that I wanted because that's what I was pulling from him. I wasn't complaining. I wasn't looking at the bad stuff. So again, there's a lot of work one person can do to shift a relationship. When I first started going to like my favorite therapist of all, I went because I was defensive. Okay, well, that's on me. That's a trigger. I'm defensive. Well, that's in me. So I have to heal that because there's another way to deal with someone yelling at you. And it could be to just love them versus be defensive. Defensive is a wound. So I worked on that. I became not defensive and the relationship changed, but I had I took responsibility for that. So yes, two people could take it, but I encourage you to do your own work and watch your relationship shift. And then when it's over, you can give her access to your program and she could watch it and do it with you. And you could do it again. And maybe even be in a more empowered position because you could have more compassion for her and compassion for yourself. You'll get your needs met and you won't be as attached to her changing. If you're attached to her changing, right? Okay, any other questions? Do I have a max number of clients that can be in the program? No. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm gonna have like a thousand people, but I mean, it's, you know, And I, so no, Megan, Um, thanks, Krista. My work with JJ has drastically changed my relationship with my mom, right? Thank you for that. Yes. Is the course accessible forever? Yes. Thank you for these questions that I didn't put in there. The course is accessible forever. You are getting these tools. You will have access to it forever. It is not just the four weeks. Everything is recorded. All the tools that are in there, you can keep doing. You have to become that which you want to have in order to allow it in. That's why most people who win the lottery like are so sabotage themselves because they didn't, they don't feel worthy of it. They didn't feel like they earned it and they don't they don't appreciate or love themselves enough to allow themselves to bask in it. They feel guilty about it, so they end up giving it away or spending it and being in more debt. You know, I mean, I don't, I know there's some statistic about how fast people who win the lottery lose it. Okay, if there's no other questions, we are going to close. Um, so do we get a choice if it's, yes, you get a choice if it's with me or one of my trainers. Absolutely. I will not assign people without asking you, you get to choose. Okay. Well, thank you guys for, uh, being here and for being a part of this. And, uh, I'm glad this speaks volumes to you and thank you for, for being here and that's it. Okay. All right. Everyone go to bed. Good night. Go eat dinner or uh, enjoy. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, everybody. Listen to the podcast. Sign up for the course if it calls to you um, soon so you can get all the bonuses. And uh, I'll see you guys in April. Okay. Ciao.
1: All right, thanks for listening, Food Heals Nation. I hope you enjoyed that workshop. Again, this will be taken down. This is just a limited release bonus episode, so make sure to listen twice if you need to, or if you're interested in going further and really doing this work for the month of April, just head on over to foodhealsnation.com/roadmap and you can sign up for the Roadmap to Emotional Healing course. Along with that course, you're going to get some incredible bonuses, including my course. Food Freedom, where I help you with ending emotional eating, dropping body shave, and just losing the weight for good. You'll also get JJ's course, the Anatomy of Emotion course, and you'll get a one-on-one session with either JJ or one of her well-trained empowerment strategists that's valued at over $1,500. There are two options to pay. You can pay in full or you can do a three-pay plan. It's totally affordable, absolutely beyond worth it. If you're ready to do the work, you'll do the work in a group setting. You'll do the work on your own and you can see massive shifts in 30 days. Trust me, take my word for it because I've done this. Um, So let me tell you a little bit more about the course. In the first week, you'll be identifying the issues that you want to focus on and start to deconstruct the situations. What happened? What was it? What judgments and assumptions did you make on at the time, right, about life? And so there's a tool that will be used throughout the course to identify those issues. Once you learn this tool, you'll keep it with you probably for the rest of your life. In the second week, you're gonna work on those core wounds, right? So you'll talk about, you'll learn about how to do it, why we do it, and how it affects our choices. You'll you'll have homework. So each week we'll build on the last and you'll have to do some things on your own, but it's all very powerful healing work. And I I think you'll actually enjoy it because there's something really empowering about learning about how to heal yourself and sometimes you're crying but you're like hey this is getting me on the step on the right path to the next step I need in my evolution to get myself out of this and into my next level of awareness and manifestation and living my healthy happy life. Then week three you'll go over you'll review the core wound homework that you did and identify the core wound and your patterns of coping and then you'll get customized treatment plans for what it is that you need to do next, because in week four, you'll actually be creating your long lasting action plan with all the tools that you need to continue on your healing journey. So there's a lot of different tools and strategies learned in this course. You're going to identify your love styles that JJ talked about, which was so interesting muscle testing, EFT, how you block your own success and how to break through those boundaries. You're going to learn about the law of attraction, vibrating at the frequency, quantum physics, so you can actually get what you want. You can identify your soul contracts and stop repeating those lessons Like until finally learn the lesson, so you stop repeating them, right? Um, Understanding your triggers and how you deal with them, um, becoming aware of your body and grounding, conscious versus subconscious conscious beliefs, balancing your mental and emotional processing, creating healthy boundaries and self-respect, getting out of the victim mentality, strengthening your intuition. She even gets into astrological birth charts, signs and influences, and really creating new neural pathways. So there's lots of testimonials that you can check out at foodhealsnation.com roadmap. Um, again, it'll be Wednesdays in April, April 6th, April 13th. April 20th, April 27th at five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern. And again, you get the amazing bonuses, including my course, food freedom. So I hope you will join live. Let me know what you think, and I'll see you next time. Food Heals Nation.